0: Thanks, Jessica, Larry, glad that you're here, and sorry I missed working with you by a few months. That was uh, my loss. Uh, Good to be with you this morning. Uh, We have been going through a series talking about relationships and relationship goals, and uh, this morning I want to start just by reading a passage of Scripture that talks about God's call for us to love others well. This is from Colossians 3. Paul writes these words, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone else. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He's, again, our example, our role model, the one we're supposed to be like. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You are uh, dearly loved by God. And he has called you to reveal that love in your everyday relationships. Can you love someone without knowing God? Can you love someone if you don't really believe in God or don't believe in Jesus? Is it possible to love? Of course it is. Yes, it is possible to love because we are created in the image of God. We are created in his image. Every person uh, walks around with this image of God uh, imprinted on their life whether they know it or not if they believe it or not we all have the fingerprint of God in us and God is relationship God is love God exists in an eternal mutually honoring interdependent relationship called the Trinity Father, Son and Holy Spirit and it's out of this relation relationship of love that we are created so all of life every human that is alive today every human that has been every human that will be carries with them this potential to love others because we're made in God's image. We have his fingerprint in our lives. And since love is a choice that we make and we were created with freedom, with free will, uh, we can choose to love others or we can choose to withhold love from others. It's a choice we can make every day. And it it shows up in, in small ways, small ways that we don't always think about. So we're at the dinner table and there's a bag of Oreo cookies in the middle of the table and there's one cookie left. So I grab it and I shove it in my face before you can get it. And in that little moment, I've made a decision about how I'm going to love you or how I'm going to hold love back from you. Uh, You know, we make these little choices every day. I go out to the car and it smells like day-old seafood. So I get in the other car and drive it to work, knowing that I'm going to stick Angela with the stinky car all day long. She's going to be driving around in stench. That's just her reality. Uh, I made a choice. Now, we make these choices every day, small choices that we make. We don't always reflect on them. We don't think about them. Uh, sometimes no one even knows we're making these choices. But internally, in our spirits, there's this change in posture towards the other person because of our small choices that we make. That, that posture can be degraded because we choose not to extend love, or it can be uh, enhanced and grow brighter because we choose to love. And we make these choices every day. This is the tension that we live in, the reality of all of our relationships. If we're thinking about friendships, people at school that we get to hang out with, or now that school's out, we'll spend the summer with. If we think about our family, uh, we think about our marriages, our spouses. uh, We get to choose will I be kind? Will I be loving? Sometimes we feel like the choice is made for us, but a lot of times we're the ones that are making that choice. To love is to be human. God is love and we're created in his image. I found this meme a few weeks ago. You may have seen this. We thought it was our ability to love that made us human, but it turns out it's actually our ability to select each image containing a boat. (laughs) You guys ever done those computer things online where it's like a computer's asking you to prove that you're not a computer, right? And so you have to choose the picture. Uh, We are able to love. That's part of what it means to be humans. It's a fact that sets us apart. So as we finish up this relationship series, uh, I wanted to let you hear the stories of several people who attend church here that are Hillcresters alongside you and their experiences in life and relationship, the ups and downs that they've gone through. And as they share their story with you this morning, uh, we might be able to grow together. So I want to invite Leo and Dana and Brandon and Kathy and Jessica and Dave to come up here and join me on the stage if you would. Why don't you give them a hand as they're coming up here. This is... uh This is risky coming up in front here, and I appreciate you guys taking a risk. I'm going to be gentle with you this morning. I promise I'll be gentle, although my goal is to thoroughly embarrass each one of you, so that's uh, one of the things I'm shooting for. Yeah, I bet you will, yeah. So you you may know some of these people. You may not know any of them. I just want to encourage you uh, to listen with an open heart and an open mind and just believe that God can speak through others into our lives so we're going to start with some um, lighter questions these are questions that you answer with a number and so you each have a little number sheet there zero to ten and if it's a number greater than ten you're going to have to work with the person sitting next to you and just figure (laughs) out how to make that happen Uh, so the first question is how many times do you hit snooze in the morning how many times you hit snooze all right Some people love snooze, and some are snooze doubters. Okay, don't believe in snooze. Uh, How many cups of coffee do you have on an average morning? As we get to know you guys a little bit more. No coffee. It's water. It water? water. Uh, Okay. Juice? (laughs) Kathy, what do you have in the morning? Orange juice. Orange juice, yes. Okay, so some coffee, some not. Okay, Uh, question three here. How many sequels of Star Wars have you watched? How many episodes in the Star Wars universe, have you engaged with? Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> ten zero. Yeah. Is that like one thousand and ten over there where you guys are at? Yeah. Okay. Uh, a couple more here. How many pets do you have in your home? How many pets? Yeah. All right. Uh, Leo, Dana, do you guys live together? What's going on? Uh, Oh, okay, I see. (laughs) A mouse in the cupboard, okay, all right. You guys got to work on that, find agreement. Okay, uh, a couple more here. How many kids do you have? How many kiddos? Brandon is proud of his zero right now, yes. Okay, good. Uh, How many grandkids do you have? This may be just for a couple of you, I think. All right, let's see if you got the same number there. Yes, same number, okay, good. They are aware of grandkids. All right. Uh, uh, one more here, really. Uh, since graduating from college, this one's a more of a thinker. Since graduating from college, how many jobs have you had since finishing up school? Four, five, seven, three, three. Leo's still thinking it through. Just one? Right. Okay. Leo's one. So yes, that's rare, but all right. Uh, one more question. And this is really just for one of you, actually. How many days until you get married? Five. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a little excited about yeah. that, are you, Brandon? Okay. <laughs> just a little excited. Uh, okay. Well, really glad you guys are up here. We, we do have some other questions I'm going to ask and let you guys respond to and Uh, We have had a chance to prepare for this morning to practice, so these aren't going to catch you guys off guard. Uh, But the first question, this is just kind of an introduction. When you hear the word relationship, what are the first things that come to mind? When you hear the word relationship, what are the first things that come to mind? So, Brandon, why don't you start us off?
1: Yeah. uh, When I think about the word relationship, uh, I think growing up, the first word that would have came to mind would be scary or intimidating. Because um, there's vulnerability in it, um, things like that. But as I've grown, you know, as I've f- started following Christ, I've been able to understand and really see God's design for my life to have relationships. You know, it's not good for us to be on an island. You know, I can get in my own head. I can convince myself of truths that aren't true, and I need people around me in those relationships to to help guide me, to help encourage me, to help support me when I need supporting, um, and so I can be vulnerable with those people as well. So. Yeah, I believe God has designed us for relationships and to do them well.
0: Yeah, I like that idea that we're not an island. Yeah, Yeah. Sometimes it feels easier to do that. Dana, how about for you? When you hear that word relationships, what what comes to mind?
2: The first thing I think of is a relationship with Christ, and it hasn't always been that way. Probably for the first 20 years or so, um, I didn't know Christ. There certainly was not a relationship. And what I have to say to you fathers out there is my dad was a huge obstacle uh, between knowing him and knowing God. That um, if you say you're a Christian, then you better let your behavior be Christ-like with your kids. Because if it's different, and it's not loving and kind, and it's harsh, And then your Sunday school teacher says, your dad is just like, Christ, he loves you, and this and that. It's rather confusing, and you just turn your back on it. So it wasn't until bad choices, bad relationships, every decision I made throughout my life was bad. And so when I was far away from home, And I was overwhelmed with my sin, didn't know where to take it from there. Um, I used the bathroom toilet as my altar and just said, God, do something, do something, do something. I don't know who you are. But it was amazing after that that um, one thing I wanted to say, things that changed, but God in his mercy and how he... Um, interferes if you're not interferes but how he speaks to you it was like in Wisconsin it was like every license plate said Christian Radio 108 FM and it was like everyone I mean God was speaking to me through license plates and I turned it on and so happened God designed it that it was um, Charles Swindoll Insight for Living and I just hung on to that um, and listened and was hooked. And um, so, relationship with Christ is the biggest thing in my life.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Dana. Next question is here uh, How does God use your personal relationships to help you experience his presence and his power? How does he use relationships to show up, to reveal himself? So, Kathy, why don't you start us off?
3: I see um, the Lord in my friendships and my relationships when they show me forgiveness and grace when I mess up, that's Jesus. You know, when they show me compassion and empathy when I've just gone through a really difficult thing, that's the Lord right in front of me. Um, rejoicing when I rejoice, when someone rejoices when something's gone really well, and that is the joy of the Lord um, expressed to me. And also I really appreciate a listening ear or good advice and those are all the Lord's characteristics demonstrated through a person. Hmm. Yeah, thanks Kathy.
0: Leo, for you, how about, um, you know, how, how does God use relationships to reveal himself?
4: Well, I've, I've seen the uh, relationship in our community. Uh, the community we live in over 20 years ago uh, was involved with a Bible, men's Bible study group. And uh, we, we've seen God at work so many many times over the years there and and even recently we've had two new members that are very much on the seeker uh, area of, of bible study and uh, prior to that about 15 years back we had a, a gentleman that started coming to our group and he was one of these guys that would say well you know we're all good people we uh, we're we, we do good things, so we're all, we're all okay. We're going to be in heaven. That's not going to be a problem. Well, uh, this particular person, uh, his name is Bob, and just this past Friday, we celebrated his, his life, uh, a celebration of life, and it was a real blessing because Bob had changed. After the first few years, he f- accepted Christ into his life, and he now... We now know for sure instead of somebody that is simply uh, thinking he's going to be in heaven, we feel very confident that Bob has has turned his life around and that he indeed will be because of accept, accepting Christ that he is indeed in heaven. Hmm. Yeah, thanks, Leo. Dave, how about for you?
0: I think that...
5: Um Many relationships that I've had through the years with uh, my siblings, my brothers, as well as friends help me to see Jesus in uh, really hard challenges when they, they listen and pray and care, similar to what Kathy said, actually. Uh, but also as I've been able to share, share Jesus with them in those relationships and moments of deep struggle um, and celebration, uh, just to see those people uh, be Jesus to me in moments when it's harder to see him myself. Um, or when, when they're having a real hard time, uh, seeing and knowing God's presence and his care for them, I think that's how we see it through community.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Brandon, how about for you?
1: Yeah. Uh, I got to brag on the most significant relationship in my life outside of Christ right now. That's Claw, um, my fiance. Uh, and it's been cool even talking about my past childhood, about viewing relationships as scary, um, and now coming into this significant relationship of mine, um, man, it's been cool just to see God, very similar to what Kathy was saying, God's characteristics played out in, in how she's interacting with me and, man, how it spurs me on to just, man, fall on my, on my knees and praise God for, man, those characteristics in her, but they are, man, they're, they're his characteristics uh, for his grace, for his patience, uh, for his, his tender and unconditional love without condition. Like, I can be an idiot sometimes and Klaus still loves me. So it's like, that's without condition. That's pretty neat to experience, so, yeah.
0: yeah. It's wonderful when when God reveals himself in those ways through the great things we see in others and they encourage us. There's times when that doesn't happen, uh, when relationships go through struggles and pain. Uh, So this question, describe a time you experienced a painful relationship. What helped bring you through that time? So Jessica, why don't you start?
6: Yeah, I um, have a relationship in my life where um, the friend who I'd had a lot of trust with, a lot of fun, a long-time relationship just cut me out of her life for five years without any sort of explanation. Um, wouldn't return my calls, wouldn't return my texts Anytime I try to get together with her. Um, I was just ignored. And it was so incredibly painful. And I would sit there wondering, what did I do? Did I say something? Did I do something? Did I not do something? And I would just be wracked with anxiety and uh, replaying situations in my mind and just being so hurt and really grieving the loss of this relationship. And um, I can remember just doing the dishes at my sink just with this ball of anxiety. Like, what, what can I do to fix this? And the Holy Spirit was like, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. You can pray. But this is not yours to fix. The thing that uh, needs healing is your heart, your broken heart. And so the Spirit asked me, like, will you pray for her? Will you forgive her? Will you want what's best for her? Like I want what's best for her. And um, as hard as it was, I just began to pray. And the thing God did in my heart was to bring healing and realize, even if this relationship never um, is resolved, never is healed, um, I can still choose to love. I can still forgive. Um, and when we were able to communicate. Um, and she did start speaking to me again, it was a really uh, terrible conversation. It, it was awful. <laughs> uh, it turned out it was something really inconsequential, and it wasn't about me. It was about her. And, and in some ways, it was even more painful because it was like, you mean I didn't say or do anything? It just was a, this, ha- this happened, and you chose to cut me out of your life? So... Um, I used to have a friend um, who would talk about what to do with our difficult emotions. His his name's Ram, and he would say, put it in a bubble, blow it away. And so times, you know, as, as I was doing my dishes or other things, I would take all of those emotions, that anxiety, that anger, that fear, that sadness, and I would just picture putting it in a bubble and picturing Jesus at the cross saying, I love you, I love her, I can take all of these hard things. And I can fill your heart with love and forgiveness, so you don't have to walk around wracked by sadness and anxiety um, and fear that that would happen in your other relationships as well.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Jessica. Uh, Kathy, how about for you? A difficult relationship?
3: Yeah. So um, I was married for 24 years and my husband told me he didn't want to be married anymore. And obviously that was really sad and shocking news to hear at the time. Fortunately, I had um, learned through a very difficult time with chronic illness to make Jesus my anchor and my rock in the midst of everything. Because, you know, when you go through a long period of chronic illness, there's a lot of disappointment, there's rejection, there's isolation. Mm -hmm. And during those years, Jesus really did become that rock to me. He became the anchor. He used to always give me three answers when I asked him where he was and what he was saying to me. And it was always the same three verses. He said I love you with an everlasting love. I will never leave you or forsake you and I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. So when Tom told me what he said that we didn't, you know, we weren't we had changed too much and he didn't believe in God anymore and he just wanted to leave, I knew those three things were still true of God. You know, he didn't go, oh, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, forget that future and hope thing. That's that's not good anymore. Like, that was still good. It was still real. That was my lifeline. And so my husband actually didn't leave for two years after he told me that. And somehow I was able to walk in peace, love, and joy for those two years. And that is supernatural, right? I mean, I would even be pinching myself at the time, like, how are you doing this? <laughs> I continued to serve him, love him, pray that he would change his mind. But in 2018, he did go ahead and go through with the divorce. And, um, you know, the beautiful thing is is that I wasn't destroyed. I didn't curl up and just die. Um, I I clung to those truths that Jesus gave me, that there was a future and a hope. And for those of you that know, you know, I started a healing ministry, and I'm flourishing. And so God completes and fulfills his promises, and he is the anchor, even when things are going bad around you. I just always think of Peter, you know, getting out of the boat with that rough sea, and he's walking on water. It's supernatural. It's crazy. But as long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he stays on the water. It says when he looked at the storm and the and the waves, and that's when he sunk. So that's just, that's what happened to me, is I just held on to him as my anchor. And it's still hard. I mean it was still I still grieve, you know, tremendously and am sad about that. Last week's heartbreak thing still got me when they preached about that. So you still grieve but you don't grieve alone. You grieve with, with, with the Lord. So
0: mm. thanks. thanks Kathy. Being transparent about that. That's not easy to share that story. One of the things we looked at over the last few Sundays is the first Corinthians thirteen passage that describes what Jesus's style of love looks like. So I wanna read that passage, and then the question is, which of these descriptors uh, of love are most challenging for you, and and why is that? So this is what Paul wrote about Jesus's love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, It always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. So which of those descriptors of love are challenging for you and why is that? So Brandon, why don't you start us off?
1: Yeah, uh, I wish you guys could have heard Claw's response to my, I said patience right away and then Claw kind of laughed right up. uh, (laughs) um, So I'm (laughs) not not necessarily the most patient person, but I'm growing. Um, So that, that really stuck out to me, especially when life doesn't make sense. You know, I want things to make sense. I want to understand them uh, right away. Uh, and sometimes that's not in God's plan. Um, and, and, yeah, every time I look back on it, i like, well, man, I'm glad I was the least patient enough. But anyway, uh, the second, patience and keeps no record of wrongs. Um, I think, you know, whether it's day to day, week to week, man, I can kind of keep a tally in my head of, man, Brandon, you screwed up there. Man, way to go. Ah, oh, you screwed up there again. But, man, it's it's. the relationships around me, but it's also my relationship with God that reminds me that, man, that's what he died for. Man, I don't have to be ashamed of that. Uh, I don't have to hold on to that. and I don't don't have to have that weigh me down. But, man, I am free. I'm more than a conqueror. Um, And he doesn't keep any records of wrongs. He separated those as far as the East is from the West.
5: Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Thanks, Brandon. Dave, how about for you?
5: Um, When I was thinking about this question, I was uh, struck and convicted by many of Nate's sermons these last couple weeks, and thinking about relationships and and, um, being patient, being kind, being not easily angered, Uh, both as I relate to my wife, as well as to my parents and to my kids, and even as I try and teach uh, my students, I'm a campus pastor, and my kids how to think about these things in their relationships, and how I demonstrate these things to them. Um, And uh, even as my kids get older, they're here, so I have to be careful this time. In my service, I could see all sorts of things. I didn't, I'm kidding, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just how, how, how do you teach these things, uh, as well as live them out? How do you be an example of them? Um, and uh, for those of you who have online gaming children, or online game yourself, there is a multitude of opportunity to be gracious and kind to those you are playing video games with online. And great opportunities for learning about how to be gracious. Um, in those uh, circumstances where you're actually meeting people and relating to people, just like you might in the grocery store or somewhere else, um, but that you have a chance to, to be a, the sort of person you wanna be on social media, as you engage uh, in virtual spaces. Um, and thinking about that and how to instruct my kids in that and how to share that with them, as well as with my students and as, as a person. Um, how can I be
0: kind and how can I care for those, those around me? Yeah, thanks Dave. Uh, Dana, how about for you, what, what words jump out from that passage?
2: Well, Lyle and I are in a different world than these other people up here. (laughs) And so, um, patience is my tough thing. And if you have trouble with patience with the person you're living with, then you have trouble with uh, kindness. And because growing old is tough, and you can't hear, you can't see. Where'd my mic? Uh, <laughs> where'd my it's microphone good, go? Go. <laughs> I'm go? So we can't see, we can't hear, we can't think as fast and so you get Be you need to be nice and you you need to find ways to handle this aging process. And um some no one isn't. So you need to <laughs> you need to find words that kinda Calm things down, mm-hmm. and when he calls me "pooh," I like that, and then I, I, my attitude changes, and he likes to be precious. So, so you know, you just you just get back on a different footing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but we're getting. Well, how are we? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thumbs up. Yeah. I said this in the first service, but poo has different... You mean Winnie the Pooh, right? That's what we're talking about. Gentle Winnie the Pooh. There's Gentle other, poo, yeah. yes. There's other kinds yeah. of poo that's yeah. maybe <laughs> not so... <laughs> Gentle, yes. Okay. Good. Just want to clarify. Uh, one last question, and just a chance to kind of finish this well here. What is one piece of biblical or relational advice you'd like to share with your Hillcrest community a word of advice that you would have. So Kathy, let's start with you.
3: Yeah, the first thing I thought when I thought of this was um, John 15. And I think Nate shared about this in the introduction to this series. You know, when you're embedded in the vine, abiding in the vine, then um, your relationships will go a lot better. So I know that if I'm strong with Jesus and I'm spending time with him, then it's gonna be more of an overflow to other people. Um, And not just spending time like checking off what things he wants us to do, but really meditating on how much he loves us, like letting that just flow over you. He loves me unconditionally. Oh, I just blew it. He still loves me. Like there's nothing you can do to make him love you more or less. He just loves you like crazy. And when you really hook up with the person that loves you unconditionally, it's easier to love other people unconditionally. So um, that's just a beautiful fruit of um, abiding in the vine.
0: Jessica, how about for you?
3: Yeah. How many people have
6: heard the verse from Ephesians 4, do not let the sun go down in your anger? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've heard a lot of newlyweds get that advice. Um, And in that context, it's don't go to bed without unresolved conflict. Well, in Ephesians 4, it says in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. It doesn't say... Uh, go to bed with your conflict resolved. This passage is about Christian unity, and sometimes when you're fighting at night, you just need to go to bed and shut your mouth, <laughs> and I'm saying that for myself. I need a lot of sleep, and so there's been times when we've had conflict, and um We know it's important, we know it's important to work through some of our issues, so we've been able to say, you know, let's just put a pin in this, this is an important conversation, but I don't want to say things I'm going to regret, I don't want to say hurtful things to you, I really need some sleep, I need to go to bed, and then in, in the morning or at another time we're able to pick it up and say, let's talk about this now that we've had a good night's sleep. Um, this passage is about Christian unity, and it's about our hearts and forgiveness. And so whether you have a coworker or a roommate or uh, a sibling or um, a child, and you are kind of stewing and angry and resentful towards them, um, this is a message to all of us, not just spouses, to say, um, we have the choice to invite the Holy Spirit to help us to forgive and to love And that is the amazing, miraculous, incredible love of Jesus, that even if we're not able to communicate to that person, he's able to give us love to forgive and to love others even when they've hurt us and when they've angered us. So um, this is is an all-skate. This is an everybody passage. This is not just a husband's and wife passage.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Jessica. And uh, Leo, how about for you, you can wrap us up this morning.
4: Well, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about uh, the scripture verses. There's quite a lot the Bible has to say about being unequally yoked or yoked to a non-believer. And it brought back a lot of memories because uh, actually when uh, Dana and I were to be married, we had asked her brother to marry us and he said, well, I'll do that on one condition. And that is that you go to marriage counseling. And this was almost 50 years ago, by the way. And uh, so that marriage counseling was very, very important to us in starting a, a marriage that we wanted to be Christ-centered. And then having three daughters, we uh, we certainly wanted them to have that. So we really always encouraged them uh, and actually almost insisted on it, that they would have marriage counseling before getting married. And uh, frankly, it's, it's really, we've seen God working there uh, so many times. So my, my thing that I want to the congregation here, we obviously are some of the older people here. And I would say uh, really to be involved in your families, but also your grandchildren and even maybe older than that, or even if it's a second marriage, that this is still an important thing, and uh, that would be what I would like to say.
0: Hmm. Thanks, Leo. As someone married to a couples counselor, it's good to know that even after marriage you can still get counseling. You know, when you're a few years down, and as someone who's been in counseling, it's as a person you can just get counseling. You know, uh, that's an ongoing opportunity to grow, so that's a good encouragement. Let's say thanks to our panel for being up here this morning with us. (laughs) It's good to hear each other's stories, and and this is just a representation of all of you sitting here, and all those that were in our last hour together, and others that aren't here this morning. Uh, We all have these stories, and God can reveal himself through our stories. I want to invite Angela and Jason to come up. They're going to do a closing song for us, and uh, we've gone over our, our hour a little bit, so thanks for your patience in that. But you know, one of the things we want to end with is I love how Kathy talked about when we understand the love that God has for us, we're able to reveal that love to others in, in deeper ways. And uh, sometimes we categorize God's love in different ways that it's not actually accurate to how he loves us. We, we put it in like a category like I have to earn it or I, don't, you know, I have to deserve it or I have to uh, do certain things in order for that to come back to me. Uh, but God's love is unconditional, as Brandon said. And that's the kind of love we're invited to share with others. So this song is uh, called Runaway, and it talks about God's love for us. So I just want you to hear this song. Jason's going to introduce it, and then we'll pray together um, to close.